and welcome to GP Mag Chats, where we answer the real questions international students have about living and studying in the UK. I'm Sophie, your host, and today we have Dominique joining us to discuss how to handle exam stress. Dominique, would you like to introduce yourself and explain why you'll be speaking on this topic in particular? Absolutely. Thank you, Sophie. So my name's Dominique Thompson and I was a GP in a university for nearly 20 years uh, in the UK. And I spent that time looking after students day in, day out. I think I did about 78,000 consultations. So I've certainly spent a lot of time talking to students and some of our busiest times were exam times. Anyway, I left clinical practice about three or four years ago um, because I wanted to get some of that information that I was giving out, but out to students in different ways. So um, now I provide all sorts of resources from my free Domin 60 Seconds uh, mini videos that I put on YouTube um, and lots and lots of things I put on my social media. And then I've written some books for students about well-being and looking after yourself at university. Um, So I love doing things like this because it just means I can share some of that experience that I've had looking after all those thousands of students um, and hopefully help, you know, a few more. (laughs) That's so fantastic. I mean, the amount of things, you know, the amount of strings to your bow is just incredible. And it's a real honour, I will say, to have you here speaking on this topic. I'm sure there'll be so many people listening, um, international students, but students in general, who I'm sure you can help. And you've certainly got the experience and the hands-on know-how of what we're talking about. Obviously, today we are speaking specifically about exam stress. I will say, I know some people listening probably might be doing courses that don't have exams. I know not all courses do. I did a course that didn't have any exams, partly why I chose it. (laughs) So, but I think a lot of what we're going to discuss can apply to coursework as well and exam free courses it's just that general pressure of mounting your exams and deadlines isn't it um so just to start with I want to ask you a bit about obviously from your expertise what what is it you think with stress obviously we have stress in all walks of life but particularly being a student what do you think it is that makes that such a stressful time well, when we talk to students, I mean, the studies back this up, but I know this just from talking to students, when we ask them about, you know, what's causing stress, the number one thing is always academic work. So there will be personal issues, finance, family problems, you know, all of those things, of course, are going on in people's lives. But the thing about being a student, in a, in a way, by definition, really, um, is the academic pressure. Uh, and so that can be exams. But it's also, as you said, it's deadlines, it's essays, it's learning in new ways, it's in independent learning it's group work I mean my goodness I've heard so many people complain about group work and it really depends on you as a person which bit of that is stressful so uh, I think you know we've got to be really realistic and say that academic pressure is something that is you know part of every student's life but what they can recognize is that there are things they can do about it and whether they're seeing themselves being you know, a bit too sort of maybe perfectionistic or they're a procrastinator, you know, uh, maybe they've got a bit of imposter syndrome where they feel like they're not good enough for this, even though they've got through enormous you know, barriers to get there, they yeah. still have those worries. So, you know, we can talk about all of those things, but they mm-hmm. are the common everyday themes that we see, you know, when we're talking about stress and, mm-hmm. and student lives. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit on a really key point there, which is the transition for it's a whole new kind of working for some people. And I certainly remember that, as you said, about group work, but standing up in front of people and also peer review, things like that, you're opening yourself up for critique in a way that 
most people probably have never done at school and you're, it's really a huge leap in confidence, isn't it? And especially if you're not a naturally confident person, those things can just feel terrifying. I know people who lose sleep, sweating over the idea of a presentation or something, anything like that. As you say, depending on the type of person you are, there are so many things that you could just see as your worst nightmare. But as you say, it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be terrifying. No, though. no. It's normal for certain things to be stressful. I mean, we have yeah. a stress response. We're supposed to produce a bit of adrenaline when things, yeah. you know, test us. Um, and that that can be a really good thing. It focuses the mind. It helps us to think really clearly. Um, you know, we can block out other stuff because of that very particular reaction that we have. But of course, if it goes a bit too far, or as you say, it's interfering with sleep on a regular basis, you know, there are times when it's not so good. And I've certainly seen plenty of students who've come in and said, look, you know, there's a difference between when they come in and say, oh, I, I didn't sleep the night before my exam. Well, you know, maybe one night it's not ideal, but it's but it's not, you know, a, a disaster. Whereas if they come in and they say, you know, I haven't slept for two weeks. Whoa, hang on. Let's just talk about this. Let's sort that out. So, you know, I, I think everybody responds differently. Um, and whereas a little bit of adrenaline is good, you know, too much can make us feel very on edge. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so interesting that you hit upon the difference between almost like useful stress and absolutely pointless stress. And I think it's such an innate human response, isn't it? As you say, it's the fight or flight in us, really. I'm sure, you know, the science behind it will back that up. But it's also finding that balance yourself identifying what is normal natural stress and as you said adrenaline is, it actually can help us like you can often confuse like nerves and excitement feel like the same thing so it's not always pointless but there is a huge amount of stress that is counterproductive and that's the kind of stress we want to help people tackle yes absolutely so on that note obviously if if people are feeling that useless kind of stress as we've identified it what have you seen in your experience are the very negative effects of that on individuals yeah the the unhelpful level of stress is something where you'll know you've got it because you know as you said it interferes with those everyday behaviors everyday activities so it's your sleep it's your appetite uh, maybe you're feeling sick or, or even being sick or have an upset tummy um, it might be that you actually you know, stop interacting with other people in a more normal, relaxed way. You maybe cut yourself off from people a bit or you think, oh, I'm just too stressed to see anyone. When in fact, seeing people is one of the best things to relieve that and release it, you know, that stress. So, um, you know, when it is, I would say, interfering with your normal activities for more than maybe two, three weeks, that's when people should talk to someone about it. And that person can be, you know, one of the counsellors, it could be a GP, it can be the, the nurse at the practice um, that you go to, it might be your tutor, it might be somebody who's a non-academic member of the staff at the university, you know, sometimes it's the residential staff and people like that who are fantastic and always, you know, buzzing around and you sort of see them and get to know them. So the, the key message, I guess, is don't suffer in silence and just keep plowing on on your own when in fact you're probably getting worse and worse if it's at that level so when your everyday activities are upset by it you know really derailed mm. don't carry on on your own definitely talk to someone completely I think the key phrase you said there is don't suffer in silence and I think it's something that for some reason we are all quite tempted to do I think it's almost a pride thing sometimes and especially thinking of our listenership 
international students particularly they might you know might be far away from home for the very first time and I think there's that tendency you're already feeling like a fish out of water anything else that is difficult for any of our home students is almost twice as difficult for international students they often feel very alone and feel like they can't speak up and can't ask for help um, what is your experience of that? That's so true. I mean, honestly, I've seen so many students who, when they did eventually come in, you know, we were sort of talking about, you know, what what the delay was, why they felt they couldn't, because I wanted to help them to feel or to tell their friends that it was okay next time. And they would say, you know, well, first of all, they maybe didn't even realise the services were available. So the first thing is say all universities have support. It's just you literally need to type student support into your university's sort of website. But they didn't realise it was free. You know, perhaps they were worried they'd have to pay us. I mean, I've certainly been offered money at the end of consultations in a perfectly genuine way. They've sort of said, oh, um, you know, so how much does it cost to come and see that? I was like, this is the UK. At least we have this. We don't have many yeah. other things. Sometimes the weather ain't so good, but at least we have <laughs> the free healthcare. So you know, I, I was like, no, 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 that's fine. Um, and and sometimes it's things like um, they didn't want to bother us because they felt you know there are other people out there with a worse problem, and that was just heartbreaking for me because yeah. we're literally working in a university because we want to work with students. We're there to help. And frankly, the person in front of me is the most important person right then. You know, yes, there are all sorts of people out there with all sorts of problems in the world. But Mm. if you're worried about yourself, please talk to someone because nothing is more important than that at that time. So for lots of reasons, you know, people don't come forward. Um, I also get, you know, sometimes it was like, oh, they were worried about the language barrier. That one we usually worked around quite well. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you have to sort of take a bit of time to find the right words and you know we did all sorts of things we had drawing we had google translate we had <laughs> you know we really used all sorts of things people would write me you know down before they came what they were thinking so you know I wouldn't let that be an issue either um, mm. but mainly it was people thinking I don't want to bother the doctor I don't want to bother the counsellor you know there are worse yeah. off people than me which is as I said I, I just find that I I completely respect people for trying to respect the service, but actually we're there for you. Absolutely. That is what it's there for. And as you say, that's the reason that people like you are doing those jobs and have those jobs. So it's very understandable for people's pride to get in the way and for people to feel like a burden. But as you say, it's so heartbreaking to think that that is the reason that stops people from asking for help. And I think you said as well, one of the interesting things, um, the effects of stress the social effect, I think, is a huge thing and maybe not something people often consider or even know it's happening when it's happening. And I think you mentioned, obviously, people's tendency to withdraw. And actually, it's the worst thing they can do because sometimes having that break from it or or even saying to your friends, I'm struggling, I'm stressed, like opening that conversation up can be so important. And I think it's something a lot of people bury and don't don't open up with. Do, do you agree? What's what's very common is that people not only don't want to be a burden to perhaps the health service or the counselling service, but they feel that they don't want to be a burden to their friends. And when we would talk about this and I'd suggest, you know, perhaps talking to a friend or a family member and then a week or two later they came back to see me, they said, 
gosh, do you know, I did. I got up the courage and I mentioned it. And they'd mm-hmm. had exactly the same or they felt the same a little while ago and they completely got what I was saying. So whilst you can't guarantee that everybody, you know, 99% of people will respond in a positive, supportive, you know, helpful way. Um, and I think it's that fear that you, you know, you either don't want to burden people, you know, you don't want to be any trouble or you feel you might be judged, things like that. Well, actually, what happens is you realize that when you start to talk to people, other people are human, too. They've been through similar. They're often feeling a bit, you know, up and down like the January blues or whatever, or midterm blues is something we get often in the November bit of the term. You know, actually, quite a lot of people are feeling like that. So I think it's I always just encourage people talk to someone you trust. Okay, so it's really important. Pick someone you're comfortable with and just 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 bring it up gradually. Just say, do you know what? It's been a bit of a difficult week or Mm. God, I can't believe I haven't slept properly for a few days and just gauge the response to something like that first. And if they, you know, and as I said, 99% of people be like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, what's happening? What's going on for you? Um, You know, that, that I think will lead into really useful conversation. Definitely. And I think sometimes the the freedom and the liberation, the first time you sort of open yourself up to somebody saying, are you okay? And you actually, you don't have to say as bluntly as no, but not not always going, oh, yeah, everything's great. I'm fine. It just opens up that communication. And, And again, I think when you're studying, whether, you know, whether it's your first time away from home or not, these are skills that are probably quite new to you. And I think, you know, when you're at school, you're all kind of going through the same things. And obviously there's exams and there's different kinds of pressures there, but you're quite cushioned and you're quite supported. Whereas, you're quite out on your own for the first time a lot of the time when you're doing a, an academic degree and it can just feel so scary having to manage your own time in that way and your own emotional responses to things and I think that is when those that's why people's relationships with people from university are often so strong because you're all figuring that out for the first time at the same time and that's why I just think it's so important to speak to your friends about it and I think that blended blending speaking to friends as well as speaking to student support I think is the recipe for success I think nobody expects you to do this by yourself and I think it's really interesting that you said a lot of people you've spoken to had no idea the student support services were there we hear that a lot as well and it's such a shame because my experience of them personally and I know anecdotally a lot of others they are brilliant like whatever university you're at as you say there will be oh absolutely they all have counseling services many of them have special links with local gp practices loads of them now have you know well-being advisors and specialists you know even the security teams especially trained in mental health first aid you know, i mean really they have you know that they've trained their cleaner staff their security staff. i mean really 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 the investment and support has been put in in the last few years so it is to really reassure anyone who's listening that it is worth just exploring what's out there even if you don't need it right now it's about thinking well what if I did need it or what if my flatmate was unwell where would I go you know and just just find out what's out there even if you don't need it that's a great point actually the hypothetical kind of I'm just going to locate where these services are should I ever need them because it's actually easier to plan ahead when you're fine it's much easier to plan for when you're not fine (laughs) absolutely and it might not be you and I think that's the thing you know when you're at university you're supporting other people you've got your peer networks it might be a friend it might be somebody on the course you might be worried about someone and think well 
maybe I'll just talk this through with one of the counsellors or GPs yeah. or whatever. We got lots of that where people would come and say, actually, it's, it's not about me, but I'm worried about yeah. my fat mate or whatever. And we're perfectly happy to have that conversation. And that's brilliant for people to know that that's an option as well. It's not going behind someone's back. If you're concerned, then it's probably valid. And Oh, it's fine. Yeah, we don't yeah. give any information away about that person. No. We don't even say whether we've seen them or anything. We just absorb the information and it yeah. all goes into, you know, our sort of process of, of seeing whether we should be doing anything. But we can also advise the flatmate and uh, or the friend or whatever about what sort of things they can do to help. And I think a lot of people will find that option or knowing that option exists so reassuring as well. Because again, I think the other thing about university, if you're there and you know you've gone straight from school is you're you're grown up and you're being an adult but you're also it's quite scary and I think you're having to handle a lot of more grown-up things as we said by yourself often it's like you're without your parents for the first time as well I think you sort of forget that because you do you feel you feel so old and wise when you get to university but actually there's so much more to learn and I think as you say looking for someone wiser (laughs) is very very sensible that's the word (laughs) so um, while we're on this topic of, you know, things that can, the negative effects of stress, I'd love to talk to you a bit about the bad habits that you think we people should avoid. So to put it simply, how not to cope with exam stress? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one of my kind of pet peeves, if you like, as we say, you know, little things that always worried me, uh, but happens all the time is the concept of the all nighter. So people revising or studying all night. Now, it's not just the fact that you'll just be tired the next day. Mm. So you're not going to work so well the next day. What a lot of people don't realize is that sleep is when you are most active in your brain. So your brain is at its most active when you sleep. It's mm. processing, it's it's putting memories in the right places, it's filtering. And so what happens is that you work all day, maybe do a really good revision period, and you've taken your breaks, you've done anything really well, but then you carry on through the night, you don't get the sleep that seals it all in, that allows your brain to process it. And then when you go into an exam or whatever, a few days later, to reproduce it and think about it. Um, so pulling an all night is literally one of the worst things you can do for your academic performance. And that's not just exams. That's general work because you're, as I said, you'll you'll forget pretty much. So your memory is affected everything that you did that day. And the next day is impacted badly as well. So it's mm-hmm. a double whammy of badness. So that's yeah. probably one of my pet you know, worse things that that I I know people do it. But I think Mm. if they understood that even if you've only managed to do, I don't know, two or three hours or something before an exam, and then you sleep on it, you'll actually do better. And they've shown that in studies. I think I think that's a great point. What you said about sleep, sleep isn't just to avoid tiredness. And I think sometimes people forget that the, the restorative effects of sleep. And I'm saying this pot kettle black, I've openly admitted on another episode of this podcast that I I did the all nighter thing a few times at university. But I speaking from experience and I've you know learned the perils do not do it it never did me any favors I don't know what I was thinking and as you say it's not just the effects of oh I'll be a bit tired tomorrow it's so much it the knock-on effect is huge it's a domino effect yeah really, yeah isn't it? that's right and it's been shown many times in studies that it literally destroys what you've just done so anything you've just learned or revised is then wiped out as well as feeling tired the next day. So Mm. it's just not worth it. But I know, I know it's a sort of almost a, 
you know a bit of like oh I'm gonna work all night and you know I, you know it's that kind of hyped up it's the yeah. exams or whatever you know deadlines are coming I honestly you you know just want to be really clear you are doing yourself zero favors doing that so so that's kind of one of my big ones um yeah. that's like a real you know um an absolute really um mm-hmm. I, I mean other things that you know that happen that probably aren't helpful is that when we when we get into kind of revision or studying or working for a deadline we forget to do the stuff we should just normally be doing every day yeah. and that's totally understandable we all do it like when I have a really busy day say in my home office um it's a bit the same I sort of forget that I need to you know get outside or go for a walk or go for a swim or you know so what I'm saying really is don't let the good stuff just disappear in a kind of oh I'll do it again in three or four weeks because when you're out for your walk just clearing your head or going for your swim or your bike ride or when you're just outdoors it allows what I might call a brain break. So your brain Mm -hmm. literally has a little rest, processes a few things. You'll sometimes find, and I find this quite a lot because I do a bit of writing and blogs, things come to you suddenly. That is literally what your brain is doing. It's it's processed something and something has popped to the surface. And so it's a useful, practical thing. It's not just a rest. As you said, it's an active process when you take those breaks. So I think it's really important to stick with that kind of, you know, having your your rest and your breaks and getting outside and some Mm -hmm. activity. You don't have to be doing loads of sport. I mean, it can just be a walk around the park or around the block or whatever um, and talk to other people coming yeah. back to what we said earlier don't yeah. you know become more isolated sure you know when you're doing your work maybe you're somebody who likes to work alone that bit's fine but then meet your flatmate for a cup of tea have a planned break um meet a friend you know go out um, and and go for the walk with them or go out with them you know meet someone else have a conversation change your sort of frame of mind and where you were it's like a little mini change of scene and then come back and it, it you will find you are so much more effective and efficient. Completely. They're, they're the first things to go, aren't they? As you say, all the just keeping your life normal. I think it's because people almost see it as like a treat. Like those things are seen as treat times. You're like, people punish themselves. They put themselves into this mode of like, you won't be hearing from me for a few weeks. I've got exams. And actually, it's the worst thing you can do. And as you said, it's not just the worst thing you can do for your own outside of exams, mental health. It's actually going to make you less productive. And it's so hard to tell yourself that when you're in it. You're like, I have to do nothing but revise or work towards this deadline. And it's not true. It doesn't work. You end up going mad. <laughs> it never works, does it? Yeah, it's just very stressful yeah. and it does yeah. not help you. Yeah. And you'll end up twice as stressed, I'd say. Like the reason you, you do those things partly is to manage your stress levels and have a break, have a bath, take a walk. Like I couldn't agree more with your point about getting outside. It doesn't have to be rigorous exercise or anything. Just go for a walk. I find all the best ideas come during a long walk. They <laughs> do, happens. but it's so yeah. true, isn't it? Sometimes when I've been yeah. writing a blog or trying to write, you know, I don't know, review an article or something I've been sent and I kind of been doing it for a couple of hours and I think, oh, and then I'll go for a walk, come back. And whilst I'm walking, I'll suddenly go, oh, I didn't think about that. And, you know, yeah. it literally just gives you the space to have that thought. So I Absolutely. do think really, really important to just build any revision or academic work around your normal routine don't lose the routine completely 
Um, what are your thoughts on just still sticking on bad habits, caffeine and, you know, stim- stimulants in general? Because I think it's, again, this goes ties in a bit with our don't do all nighters thing. But I think a, a lot of the time people think, right, well, I'll just drink a load of coffee and I'll be fine. I'll be super productive. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? There's a, li- you know, a little bit of caffeine, like yeah. many n- sort of what I would might call in the normal foods and drinks type thing, a little bit of caffeine, you know, in moderation, maybe mm. one or two cups per day. I, yeah. I would say there's no great I personally don't drink tea or coffee much um mm. I've got one uh hot chocolate actually on the go at the moment oh, but it's treat. but that's yeah it's lovely because of the cold <laughs> outside but you know I do uh I do think um you know I do have the odd caffeinated fizzy drink <laughs> without naming names uh but again it's all <laughs> about moderation and I think yeah. that, that is the key a slightly different thing that we started to see more of in the last few years in general practice in universities in particular was people using um, specific, well, their prescription medications, but being diverted, if you like, and used to help people study. And in, in their eyes, they thought they were being helpful. So they were using medications that might be for normally attention deficit disorder right. or for narcolepsy, which is where you fall asleep instantly. So people were diverting those medications and using them to try and stay awake for, you know, literally days at a time or uh, to to try and study more focus. But But as I kept pointing out, first of all, we've talked about the lack of sleep and the big issues with that. Really not a great idea. Puts massive pressure on you from a blood pressure point of view. So I saw some seriously bad side effects, um, like kidney failure type side effects from using those in a random way when they're not prescribed. And um, the uh, the other problem was that if you're taking uh, attention deficit type medication and you don't have it, but then you say to me, which a few did, well, it works, though. I said, well, the problem there is you may have undiagnosed ADHD. Oh, <laughs> Not wow. that you need to be using the medications for your work. They won't work if there isn't a deficit, essentially, really. You know, so... Um, and they are dangerous if you're not prescribed them because you have to have your blood pressure monitored if you are taking them for ADHD for example you would have your blood pressure monitored so Mm. just taking other people's you know prescribed medication or getting them online is a highly dangerous way to try and approach and and what I try to again get that message across and and this is backed up by books like why we sleep and so on by by experts you just don't need them if you just got enough sleep I mean, sleep is the super wonder drug. That's the the thing. So if you then have a couple of cups of coffee in a day to keep you going through the day, that's no big deal if you got Mm. your sleep as well. You know, and I do just mean just a couple. But but we have to be very careful about medication or drugs. Other people do use some of the more illegal drugs as well to to try Mm. and stimulate themselves. It's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster for their health. So Mm. I do understand the pressure as we started out at the beginning of the podcast talking about that pressure. I know that where that's coming from, you know, I have been through um, various different times in my life where I'm studying very hard and I've done lots of exams and postgrad exams and all of that. I do get it. But yeah. those things never end well. It is never. not a good way to go. No, absolutely not. And that can't can't be said strongly enough, I think. Over the years, as I said, I've done all these exams. Um, I've certainly had my fair share. But one thing I always did, and it's quite nice to sort of flip it the other way, is what, what can you do to sort of look after yourself? And um, 
you know, we talked about treats and things. Actually, I all, I mean, this is just me. I'm not saying people should do this. I'm just saying for myself, I had this little mini rule, which was I never worked on a Saturday night. Um, so I'd work all through the week. You know, I'd be at my lectures and then I'd come home to a bit of revision in the evening and have breaks and hang out with my flatmates. But on a Saturday night, I never worked. And it didn't matter what the exams were. It was my finals or it was my, you know, Royal College of GPs. There was just something about knowing that I would have Saturday night off. I could work the rest of the time. And I think it is important. Perhaps that feeds more into the idea about planning and routine, which we've touched on, but not gone into lots of detail of yet. Um, I do think it's fine to have those sorts of things that, that where you sort of set aside a bit of time and whatever happens. And it might be that you watch a bit of TV or you go out with your mates or whatever it is, but you have you know, a set time where you know you can relax and be, you know, yeah. time for you. Absolutely. And especially when you're studying, because I think it's a bit different. If you work a nine to five, Monday to Friday, it's very clear when is your leisure time and when is your work time. Whereas actually when you're making, managing your own time and setting your own deadlines and things, it's quite easy to feel like, always on and feel like you actually never switched off because even when you're trying to have a break you're thinking oh I've got this thing that there's always something you could and make yourself feel like you should be doing academically but yeah it's I think that's a really good idea is to set aside time when you're just not allowing yourself to even entertain the idea of doing it and I know you said about scheduling and and, um, building routine I think that's a big one that's kind of both but feeds into good and bad habits I think there's definitely obviously ways you can do that in a really bad way and in, in a good way I think one of the things and I think I was very guilty of this at university is setting unrealistic expectations and I think that especially feeds into how you manage your time so I think I would sometimes have this thing of like right well if I can write like 30 pages in four hours then I can go and enjoy myself and you end up it's a double-edged sword because not only will you never hit your own deadlines you feel like an absolute failure you feel like you're almost setting yourself up to fail and then you don't do the things you enjoy because oh well I didn't make that deadline so I can't relax and I was constantly in that cycle and I think that's it's something that should be easy to fix but you get stuck in it and I wonder if that's something you see a lot of oh yes yes we I mean we do all get into sometimes these quite sort of negative thought spirals or we can you know be very perfectionistic which is where Mm -hmm. we set a target and even if we meet the target we then move the target up and try and get you know we make it harder for ourselves even when we meet the target so you know or, or we'll be somebody who gets I don't know you know I'm just picking random numbers but say you get 95% in something you'll be that person who spends hours wondering about the other 5% you know so those sorts of perfectionistic traits um, do lead to you being sort of worried about failure all the time fearing failure you know worrying that it'll never be perfect and 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 that does sometimes need a bit of recalibrating readjusting Mm. think you know what would be good enough so I'm going to do two hours of work and then I'm going to have a break and you you fix that bit by saying you know I'm going to fix that break by by saying I will meet somebody at that time or I will phone someone or whatever it is you know so we've sort of spoken about good habits within the bad habits but are there any more specific good habits that you would really recommend that you think recipe for success yeah I'm a big fan of muting social media that's negative or muting negative people in the nicest possible sense so you know (laughs) if you're going through three or four weeks and you know like I just need to be focused and seeing good people who are like you know beneficial to me you might on your notifications just 
mute the ones that, you know, that WhatsApp group is just going to be a pain. I don't need to know every time, you know, all of that sort of thing that you can control. You don't need to know that somebody else did nine hours or an all nighter because, you know, smugly that it's the wrong thing to do. But actually, it's not helping anyone to be part of that negative sort of toxic kind of culture that everybody gets sort of sucked into. So I, I do think just mute the social media WhatsApp negativity spend time with people who make you laugh who have a similar work ethic who are you know fun who you know who are good friends and that you can trust not to get into a whole oh my god I've done nothing and you like I know you've done eight hours a day you know it's just really unhelpful and that kind of culture doesn't serve anyone well you can just say look I'm just focused and I'll meet up with you let's go for food you know let's go for a pizza in a couple of weeks but you don't have to be with them if they're going to suck you in dry of all enthusiasm for anything so yeah. yeah I think it's pick the people that you want to be around on the other hand, and this is just to flip it slightly, I do know that some people who felt quite isolated have, in fact, joined um, very positive work groups where they they do this sort of thing, I think, on Discord and things like that, where they just oh. um, join, you know, massive groups of people who are all studying, but everybody's actually silent. They're studying, but That's they're part nice. of something and tuned in with other people also mm. studying. And that, I think, can be helpful when you feel you're part of something, but all towards the same same purpose yeah so definitely. I think you know uh, I'm not saying no social media I'm not it's not about that it's about mm. picking what you choose to be part of and and how you're using it as well presumably there's a very big difference between sort of healthy use of it and engaging and checking in with friends and like scrolling through what other people are doing I think they're completely different things and we all know scrolling doesn't lead to any joy <laughs> especially if you're already stressed <laughs> Um, what you said then about your your flatmates, I think, taps into another important point, which is to personalise your routine or personalise how you're doing things. And I think that was a big one, you know, what we were just saying about needless comparisons is actually everybody has very different learning styles. And, and if you're trying to match somebody or, you know, even if it's a very good friend or course mate who you spend all your time with, if your learning styles are different that that can be quite a negative thing and i think it's also good to just tailor your tailor how you do those things so that you're not feeling like you're doing it wrong because we're we're all going to do those things differently you know and part of all of this is learning what your own learning style is you know you're yeah. not you don't kind of wake up one morning and realize that you know you're yeah. a visual learner or you're a whatever you know this is something that well i mean even now I'm you know I'm sort of getting more to grips with that because to be frank when we were younger nobody was talking about learning styles you all got (laughs) delivered the same content the same way but what is great now is that you know um, some people will be using mind maps and you know swirly Mm. diagrams and and others will have a wall of post-it notes all color coordinated and you know others will use uh, video and audio I mean I think it's and some of us are just very old-fashioned just read it and (laughs) and absorb it goes in right remember you know and, but it's but the whole point is that I think what's fantastic now is that there are resources out there for all those different types and whether you look online or you use apps to find you know um, ways to remember stuff or whatever it is mm. and there are actually some quite good apps for just doing your planning around just like mm. exam timetables and stuff like that and there are some amazing you know websites but the great thing is they they allow people to learn in different ways which I think yeah. has been one of the biggest progressions over the last couple of decades yeah that recognition that we're all we're all unique and we're all different but actually that's never more more prevalent than 
in learning and I think that that's something that's yeah it's actually a real pro isn't it of st- studying at university I think those things really come to light but that can be in a really great way I think if you're somebody who felt quite boxed in at school which is a bit more regimented and there's kind of more limited ways of learning I think it can be so freeing to get to university and realize that there's not just one right way to do things so almost use that to your advantage you're right you can ask at your university because there will be learning skills people you know there are whole groups of people teams whatever departments maybe as far as a department but you know people who are specifically dedicated to helping you learn in a way that's useful to you and they'll have resources of particular companies you know there are companies that provide the resources to universities that are then you know shared with the students so if you're not sure or you think you're struggling to learn in the way that it's currently being delivered talking to your learning Mm. skills people is really important more specifically do you have obviously from your experience in this in this area is there any specific techniques that you've found proven you know proven to be really effective obviously as we've said it's different for different people but are there any specific techniques coping mechanisms that you would really advise do you, do you mean for learning specifically like a um, yeah learning? sort of anything any mm-hmm. tips for like planning or if there's one thing that's mm-hmm. out you, oh, this is a great thing I use time and again um I'm I'm a great fan of having you know a proper written I mean it, it obviously you know it can be on your computer but I quite like having a, a poster or a sheet or something I've actually got a whiteboard that I use for my little boy through a company called study buddy which is another thing oh, for yeah. younger people but basically it's a whiteboard and you have your your timetable and you you know because you can move things around but it just mm. allows you to feel like you're in control of it because you can see the whole thing yeah. it's not just in your head and there's something about having your visual timetable or your plan or or, or whatever you're going to call it um the study timetable written out with all the you know with the breaks written in and the you know the swim written in and the going for a walk and those visual prompts as well because you know it it is important to remind yourself to go for that walk or 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 the 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 swim or the cycle or whatever it's going to be or go and play football whatever um so I, I think I like a big visual prompt for the timetable and then the plan I I think that's important and then I'll just within that try and break everything down into chunks you know it won't be just like Monday work for eight hours or whatever it will be you know nine till ten and ten till eleven and then eleven fifteen you know break you know and I think that's what can be really really helpful because you feel more in control of that That's the key, isn't it, to any of this? And that's actually the best way to manage stress. And I think breaking anything down, I think any task can seem huge and like you're never going to make it. And actually everything can be broken down into bite-sized chunks, even the most impossible seeming tasks. So I could not agree more with both of your both of your tips. So we're coming towards the end of the episode now. So what we like to do on these podcasts is we wrap up our episodes with our do's and don'ts. This is just one do, one don't from you to sort of for for our listeners to have a strong takeaway of a summary of what we've said basically what are your main your main do and your main don't we'll start with the do well I guess for me my main do would be to plan but in a healthy way and that can be the timetable your routine it would probably even be where the exam is I've certainly had a student turn up uh, asking for a sick note because she missed the exam because she didn't know where it was (laughs) and I kid you not so So, you know, plan the healthy, sensible things, but planning can be, you know, give you that control. My don't would be, and I think probably you can see this coming, is don't miss sleep. I I Mm. cannot emphasize that enough. Do not skip your sleep. If you need your eight to nine hours and, you know, that's what it takes, then that's what you need and that's what your brain needs. 
So those would be my do's and my don'ts. Couldn't agree more. I think for me, I always find these hard because I'm like, it's all all of it, all of it. Um, (laughs) I think my do, it sort of ties into what you've just said about the the planning and the routine, but definitely is do schedule in breaks. I just can't say it enough. and, And I think it's the first thing to go, as we've said, just do plan those things in and even sometimes if it feels a bit silly you're like oh I'm planning in a 10 minute walk to the kitchen and back just do it just make plan in those breaks it, you, it will be it'll do you the world of good and it's so important and my don't something we said quite early in the episode but it just so important as well is don't suffer in silence and whether that's friends flatmates student support whoever like get the help you need don't feel too proud. It's never, you're never wasting anyone's time. No, I could not emphasize more. You are not alone. I know I say it all the time, but I want people to remember that you are not yeah. on your own here. Oh, well, Dominique, it's been such a joy to have you on and just to soak up all your expertise. I could ask you so much more on this topic. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. Um, and yeah, we'll say we'll say goodbye for now, but hopefully. Yeah, it's hopefully. been a pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much.